It's good to be back in, isn't it? Um, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15. If you'll turn there, that's where we're going to pick up where we left off last week, Romans 15. Uh, somebody tells me there's some anniversaries in the house. Jack and Arlen, 57 years married. Uh, John, how many, how many years for you and Karen? 46? That's good. That's great. We're very thankful for that, not just the longevity. We are thankful for, for, the, uh, for the covenant of marriage and what it symbolizes and what it means. Thank you guys for that, um, for that testimony. Um, a couple of things. Listen, thank you for, for those of you who had joined us last Sunday night for the back-to-school prayer time. Uh, there were churches gathered over at least four counties. Um, I would say there were more than 100 churches more than 100 schools that were prayed over, uh, over 1,800 people that joined in this past Sunday night to pray. And um, our time and our focus on praying for schools is bigger than an event. It's an opportunity that we have to build intentional relationships with those that are, that are on school campuses because we care. Our schools matter. Do you believe that? What happens on school campuses are a big deal in communities, and it's an opportunity for us as churches to be able to, to be a part um, and to join them. And so we, we do that, and we do that very gladly um, and enthusiastically. As a matter of fact, there's an opportunity today. Uh, begins what we call Project Generosity Week. Um, our goal as a community through Bless uh, Fruitland Park is $15,000. Our goal is $1,000. We'd love for you to participate in giving. Uh, we will present a check in an excess of $15,000, whatever it comes up to be, but it will be in excess of $15,000 on August the 24th. And I'm just thankful that we have an opportunity to join hands with our, with our community um, as, as neighbors, brothers, and sisters in Christ and make a difference here on our Fruitland Park campus. There is no other community within our area that does this that I know of. Uh, if there is, you let me know about it. But I, we will have uh, school board superintendent. We'll have others that will be there, part of that meeting. It is a very much a, a big deal. It is really dark up here. Why is that? Maybe it's just me. My eyes are getting old, and they're getting gray and dark. And so, uh, But listen, thank you guys for, for what you do there. I also want to make note today, uh, the mobile dental clinic will be coming in. They'll be setting up and getting ready to go tomorrow. It's just a lot of things that are happening, but a lot of good things as we minister to our, our to community. Um, going back to chapter 14 to where we are today, Paul has been uh, harping on, talking about this issue of relationships between the weak and the strong inside the church at Rome. And um, we said a couple of weeks ago that spiritual maturity isn't the exercising of our freedoms that we have uh, in our faith, but it's taking those freedoms and be willing to forego those freedoms for the sake and the unity of the church and our love for, for others. That those of us that have received God's mercy and grace, that we have the privilege to be an ambassador for God, to offer that same mercy and grace over to others for the, because the gospel is, is at stake. And, and when we aren't willing to offer grace and mercy and accept others, that attitude demonstrates that we really haven't grasped the depth of what Jesus did for us when he gave his life on Calvary 2,000 years ago. And today what we want to do is we want to sort of take this topic and we want to sort of put a bookend on it. And we want to turn the tables just a little bit. Going from what when we've been predominantly talking about, the, the negative commands, don't do this, don't do that, 
and we're going to spring forward with a positive one. Uh, and back in chapter 15, in verse 1, we saw where Paul said, look, he said, don't just live to please ourselves. That's not what we're supposed to do. And uh, there were a lot of other do's and don'ts that Paul mentioned in this passage, but, but that negative command sort of falls up under the umbrella of what we know as the great command is that we are to love one another. But in chapter 15, verse 7, there's something that takes place, and that's where we finished up last, last week. We want to start there today because there in that, in that place where we ended up last, last week, there's something that, that takes place that's bigger than, what, than, than maybe what we took a look at last week because what ends up is, is Paul begins wrapping up this theme, this thought process that he's been, he's been focusing on. And read with me this morning because this is what Paul writes there in chapter 15, verse 7, when he says, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. That sounds pretty simple, right? Okay, therefore, in other words, in light of all these things, you're to accept one another as Christ has accepted you. Um, and so that God be given the glory. So why are we to accept one another? So that God be given the glory. But let's take a look just briefly at this word accept because it's bigger than just, oh, well, hey, how you doing? You know, I love you and you love me and we're all together. You know, it's bigger than that, much bigger than that. It's much bigger than just welcoming somebody, shaking somebody's hand or hugging their neck. There's something that's deeper at play. In the Greek, there's a word that actually, that actually means to, um, to welcome somebody by pulling them close. Several times we see this Greek word in the New Testament. Probably none no better than that which we find in Mark chapter 8, verse 32. It's a story where Jesus is with his disciples. He's talking about what's getting ready to happen, that he's going to go into Jerusalem, that he will be, uh, will be beaten, he'll be arrested, arrested, beaten, uh, he will uh, die, he will be buried, and then he'll be raised from the grave. And it's at that place where Jesus is having this conversation that Mark records that Peter, in the midst of that, says this, he took him, being Jesus, he took him aside, here's Jesus, he just shared this, Peter said, come here, man, we've got to have a conversation, okay? And so he takes Jesus aside, and it says, he began to reprimand him for saying such things. Those two words, took aside, is the exact same thought of accept in the Greek. Peter took Jesus aside. He pulled him aside. Now, this is for a negative reason. He wanted to reprimand him, but it's the same process. He pulled him close, and Peter began to rebuke Jesus. In a positive sense, it's that call to accept that we are to welcome or we are to welcome some. It's not, again, that casual, hey, hey, but it's, hey, come here. It's drawing them in. It's taking them by the hand and saying, look, come walk with me. Let, come, come walk with me and stay with me. Why? Because you love them. That's why. It's for unity's sake. It's for the sake of the gospel, which isn't always easy, is it? I mean, how many of us have ever, have ever thought, to my, thought to yourself, man, they're really getting on my nerves, you know? You ever had that thought? Have you ever tried to love somebody that was unlovable? That's pretty hard, isn't it? I mean, it's pretty difficult to love somebody that disagrees with you on something that you're very much passionate about. How about you guys? Any conflicts this week? What about conflicts in the home? Why don't you go ahead and raise your hands. Let's have a little time of... Nobody wants to raise their hands. Okay, I got you. Um, how many conflicts in the workplace? How many conflict, conflicts with, with good friendships? Or how many conflicts with, with uh, neighbors? Any relationships on the ropes? 
Any relationships that instead of you seeing and accepting them and drawing them close, that instead you're pushing them farther apart. You're divided. And all the time the gospel is at, is at stake. The reality is this is applicable for every relationship regardless of what time, what situation, or what place we may find ourselves. One of the best ways that we understand this, this thought of accepting others like Jesus is to begin with the question that we asked this question like last week. Well, how does Jesus accept us? And we said last week that Jesus accepts us as sinners, that all of us, all of us are sinners, that all of us fall short. As a matter of fact, that was one of the issues that people that, that complained about Jesus that they had. I mean, why in the world is this guy hanging out with sinners? He isn't supposed to do that. One of the examples we find in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 15, verse 2, the religious leaders um, of their day, they were complaining about Jesus because he, was, he not only hung out with them, but he, for goodness sake, he ate with them. Can you imagine that? Why in the world would Jesus welcome and accept and receive other sinners? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus had a bigger plan for their life than they did. Very much so. And see, when we accept others, what we do is we, we're saying that, listen, I, I know that God's got a bigger plan for your life than what you believe he has. Jesus embraced and he pursued the sick. He pursued the hurting. He pursued them because he wanted to give them hope. You know, the problem is, is that many times the person is, who's sick doesn't realize they're sick until someone is willing to sit down with them and embrace them and to share a meal or to break bread with them. Until somebody's willing to build a relationship with them. That's one of the reasons that relational evangelism is a core value for heritage. With whom are you building an intentional relationship with, with somebody to be able to share Christ? When's the last time that in your schedule of events that you've got in your planning for the week that you've set aside some time and you say, you know, I need to have lunch with so-and-so or I need to make sure that I call so-and-so or I do this because... The gospel's at stake. When's the last time you've done, out, done that? Jesus hung out with sinners because he loved them. And he knew the best way to impact their lives was to set aside time, not to, not to talk to them at a distance, but to draw them close and to be personal with them. Jesus didn't welcome sinners, and he doesn't welcome us because we have it all together. But in spite of that, Jesus didn't welcome us because we're perfect, but because we're imperfect. He doesn't welcome us because of our love, but he welcomes us because of his love. He welcomes us in spite of knowing everything about us. Turn to the person next to you and say, God knows everything. Makes you pretty nervous, doesn't it? But in spite of everything that God knows and the fact that he knows everything, the fears, the bitterness, the inconsistency, he sees past all of that, all the way to the intent of our hearts, and he still loves us. Isn't that awesome? God loves you. God loves me. And he loves those. I mean, how many people live with fear if somebody knew me, if they only knew me, and yet God loves us and he knows us and he still accepts us and he embraces us. There's a statement that we've made over the years here that goes way back to the beginning. There's nothing that we could ever do that would make God love us any more, any less. Isn't that an incredible statement? 
that God's love for us is secure, that it is divine, that it is consistent. And God doesn't welcome us because of, but in spite of, which is on, in contrary to what the world has to say. I mean, if you think about it, early on, you're, you're taught that other people welcome us and they accept us if we, and you can fill in the blank. See, as children, you know, I'll be a part of the crowd and they'll accept me if I wear a certain pair of shoes or I wear a shirt or I do my hair a certain way or if I wear that type of jewelry or if I watch these programs or listen to that music. And as adults, it doesn't change. If I live in a certain community, if I drive a certain car, if I have a certain position, if I, you know, if I hang out with a, soup, a certain group of people. But Jesus, Jesus said, I love you period. Jesus doesn't just accept us as sinners, though. He also accepts us joyfully. I want you to look at with me. Um, go back to Luke chapter 15 to the story. Let me just read the story in Luke chapter 15, 1. See if you hear any joy. See if you hear any excitement in the story here. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to, to listen to Jesus teach. They made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them in, in this story, if a man is, has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he found it, he joyfully carries it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he calls together his friends and his neighbors and he says, Rejoice with me because I found the, my lost sheep. And in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Any joy? Any joy, especially when there's somebody that's far away from God and they repent and they return to God. Can you imagine the joy of a, of a parent who has a wayward child and the wayward child calls and says, Mom, I just want you to know I realize that I've sinned and mom, I, I want to trust Jesus and I want to follow Jesus with all of my heart. Do you think there's any rejoicing in that home? Excuse me. Hello. I mean, what about it when you have a sibling or what happens if you have a, a, somebody else in your family or a dear friend that you've been praying for? Or maybe it's even a parent that says, listen, I recognize my sin and I want to turn. And I, Jesus, I want to follow you. Do you think there's any rejoicing that takes place? God doesn't treat us like a parent that has a kid with a dirty diaper. Oh my goodness gracious. We've all done that, haven't we? <laughs> this kid stinks, you know. But in spite of the stench, he draws us close. He holds us close. It's just a few verses later that we find the parable of the lost son and, and, uh, and how God through Christ accepts us. Look at what he says in verse 17 to 24 there in Luke 15. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and I'll say, and he's practicing, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as one of your hired servants. And so he returned home to the father and while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. I want you to picture this of a father who had been waiting and praying 
for his son to return. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned both against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest of robes. Bring the finest of robes in the house and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the fatted calf and feel the calf that we've been fattening. Listen, there's, there's going to be steak in heaven. There has to be. Right. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine is dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. That's how God welcomes us. But he also accepts us with, without partiality. It's a theme that we find in Paul's letter uh, to the church at, at Rome, that salvation is available to every one of us that's willing to call call and to confess our sin, to cry out to God, to repent and trust him. In Romans chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we see where Paul wrote that there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who do good, for the Jew first and also the Gentile, and God does not show favoritism. Peter said when he was chosen to go to the house of the Roman centurion in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10, he went on to say, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. He accepts those who fear him and do, a, and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel. And I think we get that. I think we understand that God accepts people from all nations, tribes, and tongues, and there's no partiality. I think we understand that, but there's, there's a subtle partiality that seems to surface in the context of relationships. James addressed it. James, James was good about calling people out and setting things straight. In James chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, this is what James had to say, and he wrote, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, some, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes, expensive jewelry, and another comes in poor and dressed in, in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or sit on the floor. Uh-oh. It's getting a little personal, isn't it? Doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones that will inherit the kingdom? He promised to those who love him. But you dishonor the poor, hasn't it? Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Um, aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It's good when you obey the royal law as found in Scripture's love your neighbor. It's good when you obey that law to love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. Any lawbreakers in this room? God's kingdom is offered to the Jew and the Gentile, the poor and the rich, the hungry and the well-fed, the sick, the one who's well, the tax collector, the prostitute, the weak and the strong because God shows no partiality, no favoritism. God's kingdom is open and available to every Jew and Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, male or female. We are all one in Jesus Christ. So God accepts us as sinners. He welcomes us joyfully without partiality, but also he accepts us 
as to the glory of God. That's the end goal. Paul mentions in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, when he was writing to the church at Ephesus, there in chapter 1, verses um, um, 4 through 6, Paul wrote, even, even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. But God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do and it brings him great pleasure. We are to praise God for the glorious grace for he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. <laughs> See, it's, it's a big deal when someone repents. It's a big deal when someone turns to Christ. You might say, well, why is that? I'll tell you why it's a big deal. Because it doesn't make sense why a righteous God would accept us as sinners. It doesn't make sense why a righteous God, a holy God, would embrace us and love us. It's a mystery. And Paul said, listen, that God has revealed his mysterious plan to both Jews and the Gentiles that we can all be accepted and grafted into God's family through Jesus. That when we come to recognize our sin, that we recognize what God has done, and we turn to God, man, the heavens explode with applause because the power of the cross is on display. The power of God is on display in that moment in time. It's time, it's a cause for a celebration. Someone has come home, amen. You wonder why we, why we applaud when someone comes and says, I, I, wanna, I wanna make my decision to trust Jesus. I wanna make it public. We know that baptism doesn't save us, but it is a public declaration. And when that takes place, we as a church family, what do we do? We're excited about what's going on and it's God's love, it's his glory on display. And as a church family, we clap and we celebrate for the glory of God because God's greatest glory, his greatest illustration is the cross, which demonstrates his love. Which leads us to the last part here, the second part of what we're going to be talking about, verses 8 to 12, and then we'll finish up with 13. You might could call this the prophecies. And here Paul goes back and he mentions four Old Testament prophecies. Let me read them to you, and then we'll talk about them just briefly, and I think you'll get to what's going on, get an idea of what Paul is saying. He begins there in verse 8. Remember that Christ came as a servant for the Jews. You might want to underline this. He came for the Jews to show God is true to the promises that he made to the ancestors. Remember this, God is a promise keeper. He also came so that the Gentiles, make sure, make a note of that, might give glory to God and the mercies to um, for his mercies to them. That's why the psalmist meant when he wrote, and here are the four prophecies. For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written here, rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. Um, and again, here's the third one. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah, here's the fourth one. The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles and they will place their hope in him. So what's happening here is Paul, Paul is going back and he's listing these four prophecies from the Old Testament to remind us that God's plan to extend his grace and salvation to all people wasn't an afterthought. God's plan to provide salvation to the Gentiles wasn't an afterthought. And so he does that by reminding us of the prophecies from the Old Testament. Psalms 18, 49 is the first one. 
For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. The second went all the way from Deuteronomy, all the way back to the beginning in Moses, Deuteronomy 32, 43. Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles, showing that God's plan isn't new. Or in Psalms 117, the third one, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And then that last one, which is in verse 12, which can be a little bit confusing, which goes back to Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 10. And it's there that he says that the heir to David's throne would come, that the Messiah would come through, through David, through the root of Jesse, that the Messiah, the Savior of the world, would come through that lineage. And the Messiah would come, Jesus would come to rule the nations, not with an iron fist, but he would come to provide salvation for, salvation for all in hope. And that's what salvation is. It's the certainty of hope. It's grounded on something that is trustworthy. How will God bring this salvation about? He would bring it through Jesus. Jesus. It is in and through Jesus that God would show us two important things that we find there in verse 8 and 9. The first one, that all the promises of God would be fulfilled. God is the promise keeper. Verse 8, remember that Christ came as a servant for the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. That God brought about that, that Jesus came to fulfill the promises. Jesus would say in Matthew 17, you've heard this before, and I paraphrase it a little bit. Don't, be misunder, don't misunderstand, but I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, but I came to fulfill them and their purposes. And he did that for the Jewish people, but look at what happened for the Gentiles. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. What does Jesus do? He extends us to us, the Gentiles, his mercies. So here it is, God through Jesus fulfilled the promises to the Jews. Second of all, he extended the mercies to the Gentiles all through Jesus. And you know what the natural response should be to salvation that has been provided to us? The natural response should be worship. Worship. Go back to the prophecies. Go back to these four prophecies. For this, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. In another place, it's written, rejoice with its people, you Gentiles. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you peoples of the earth. If you go back to verse 5 and 6 from last week there in chapter 15, may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with one another, fitting for the followers of Jesus Christ. That sounds like a oxymoron, doesn't it? Is that right? A lot of times, you know, churches aren't known for getting along, are they? Wow. Should it be that way? Paul went on to say that all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship. When we recognize what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, how can we not but worship? There's something that's powerful when we gather together in a place like this and we recognize together what Christ has done and we begin to worship him and make a big deal of God because of everything that he has done through his son, Jesus. Which leads us up to the final place, verse 13. Because Paul wraps it all up. Some people call it a benediction. This is what he says in verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here's Paul wrapping up this 
this discussion that he's been having all the way going back when he's been writing about going all the way back to the beginning of 14 about the weak and the strong. He's wrapping all of that up. And in his final words, he's, he's saying something along this line. What Paul is calling us to is to be spiritually satisfied. It's like uh, that feeling of... Um, Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, like that, it's like that sense of, thank you, Jesus. Because satisfaction, salvation brings satisfaction. It's like Paul is saying, may we be spiritually satisfied. May we be filled and overflowed with flowing with joy and peace and confident hope. And this is how Paul ends up. He, he ends up with this, this prayer. On a larger scale, this benediction really sums up Paul's letter to the church at Rome. And Paul is saying, may we know that recognize that all of us are sinners, but in spite of that, that God, God went to the full extent to provide forgiveness for us so that we could have a relationship with him. And in that relationship, we could know peace and we could know hope and we could experience love and victory over sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in all of that, come to a place of being spiritually satisfied. Because there's satisfaction in Jesus. How about you? You satisfied today? Or is there a lot of turmoil that's going on? Why the turmoil? Are you full and overflowing with joy and peace, with a confident hope? If you're not, it's not because God hasn't made it available to us, because He has. Is there a sense of confidence that comes from recognizing just how much God loves us and the fact that He doesn't love us because of our abilities and He doesn't love us because you give to a you give to Project Generosity. He doesn't love us because you're serving at the mobile dental clinic. And he doesn't, he doesn't love us because of the numbers of time that we, we walk in these doors. But God loves us in spite of all of that. God loves us. And when we trust him, there's rest. There's peace. There's hope. Not because you can intellectually make it work. There's peace and hope and joy and confident hope because the Holy Spirit puts that in you. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. Today as we finish up, there's a, there's a card in the back of your chair and it's sometime between now and then, if listen, if you're wrestling with some stuff, and I know in a group this size and listening online, I know that there's people that are wrestling. I, I, I'm meeting them all the time these days, people that are searching for answers, people that are hurting, people that have been pushed away by, by church people, church people. They don't want to accept them. But if you're at that place, man, I want you to know that Heritage wants to accept you and love you. Not that you can stay where you are, but so that your life can be transformed because we have a bigger plan. God's got a bigger plan for your life than staying in that place. Amen? 
And if you're at that place, you're wrestling, I want you to know there's a card there. And listen, you can fill that out. Or you can come see me after the service and say, Pastor, I said, I need to talk. I need to talk to somebody. Can I pray with somebody? I'd like to know more about this relationship with Jesus because I'm just wrestling. Just wrestling. Listen, in this life, you will have troubles, people. You, you've heard me tell the story. I'll tell it again. I tell it all the time. I learned a long time ago something just in working with Abby when she was young and she was afraid of the dark and I went into a room and I taught her a verse, Psalms 56.3, when I'm afraid I'll trust in you and I got up in the bed with her and I kept having her repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and she finally she looked at me she said, Dad, I'm still afraid. And I learned at that moment in time that it wasn't the words that, that, that brought her presence but I stayed there a little bit, that, that brought her peace but I stayed there a little bit longer and finally she fell asleep. And what I learned, it wasn't the words that made the difference, but it was the presence of her daddy. And when you come to recognize that your daddy is here, there's a lot of peace and comfort that comes. But if you're at that place, you're struggling, man, let us know how we can embrace you and walk alongside of you because the Bible is filled with all the answers that you're looking for if you're just willing to open it up and listen. Talking about God's grace and celebrating God's, God's glory. What God has done, we want to take this morning. And what we'd like to do is we want to recognize at the end of our service right now, we want you to, we want you to help recognize with us our interns. But let's begin that by watching this little video. And then Brian and, and Mike are going to come forward. Hux is going to come forward and they're going to make a presentation to our interns today. Hey church family, I just want to express my gratitude for being able to have the opportunity to be an intern this summer at Heritage Community Church. Um, I'm grateful for the relationships I made with kids and not only the kids but their parents as well. It was one of my favorite parts this summer as a children's ministry intern. Hello church family. I'm very thankful that I was given the opportunity to be an intern here this summer. Um, I'm also very thankful to be part of such a loving church family. Um, Y'all are the best. One thing that really impacted me this summer was getting to spend time with the youth. Just seeing how much some of the kids have grown is phenomenal. And that is one of my favorite things, seeing people grow in Christ. This summer I got the opportunity to preach at youth camp. And this was such a phenomenal opportunity because I remember when I was younger going to youth and listening to what people had to say about God, and that really impacted me, and that's a really big part of my testimony. So being that in another kid's life is just awesome. Um, God is awesome, and I hope to continue to be a vessel in which he shows himself through. Heritage family, thank you so much uh, just for the opportunity to serve alongside each and every one of you this summer and get to know all of you. Um, it's been a blessing and a pleasure. Um, one way that I've grown um, a lot this summer is being able to you know, look internally and reflect on the things that God's doing in my life and seeing the areas God's working. Um, and He's shown me that um, you know, when I see something that He's working on, that it's important to go and be a part in the way that he calls me to be a part of it. So that's one way that he has really um, shown me a lot about myself. Um, one moment in particular this summer that I thought was really impactful was um, 
When we were at Central Kid this summer, um, I got the opportunity to connect with um, some of your children and hear some of their stories and um, hear one, one story in particular um, about him coming to know Jesus that week. Um, and it was very special to me to see, you know, a child um, at that age get it and get the message of Christ. And it was really, um, it was really fulfilling to know that, 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 you know, the ministry is not in vain. You know, there's a purpose and it was very special to see. Hey, Heritage Church family. Uh, this is Logan. This is my second summer uh, being an intern for you guys and being able to just learn and grow alongside you. Uh, I don't know what ministry is going to be for me later on. Uh, I'm hoping to be a pastor one day. I just, I got to wait for God to open that door. And being here has allowed me to take another step, hopefully into preparing for that next big step. Um, my biggest moment, I would say, this summer has just been being able to meet new people, new teens at youth camp, new kids at Centra Kid, and being able to just see how they've grown since last summer to this summer, um, as well as just being able to help lead this, this intern team this summer. Um, we've got a great team, and wherever they go, I know God's going to use them. And I've been able to see their, their strengths become even stronger and their weaknesses actually turn to strengths because they've been able to learn and grow through it all. It was all made possible by you guys. And I want to thank you for this opportunity. I don't know what the future holds, but I hope to see you guys again. At some point, I'm heading back to Lakeland to finish out my bachelor's degree at SCU. Um, but you know, until next time, thank you, church, Heritage Church. I, I love you guys and I appreciate you guys very dearly. Thank you. This was my first year being a summer intern here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. One impactful moment that I've had this summer is definitely working with the kids and getting closer with the community. Something I've learned this summer is how to be a better leader and sharing the gospel with everybody. Hey, Heritage Church family. Uh, this is my second year being an intern and I've loved every minute of it so far. And I just wanna say a special thank you to you guys because none of it will be possible without the support of everyone. Uh, I would say probably like one of the biggest, most impactful moments of the summer would be the worship camp performance, uh, specifically during Living Hope, uh, when those kids like sing out, Jesus, yours is the victory. It just kind of reminds me that all the stress and all of the little things that like kind of got to me, it was so worth it for that one moment. So it's just really impactful to know that I had a part um, in helping those kids learning how to worship. Hey church family, it's been such a blessing to be able to be an intern here at Heritage for over a year now. And the work that God has done in my heart over this year has been monumental in my life. I started this internship on a completely different path for what I thought God had for me. And now I'm ending it going somewhere that I never thought that I would. I'm going to Liberty to study music and worship. And it's amazing to be able to look back and see the effect God has had on my life. Doing this internship, working with these pastors, following the career God has for me and not what I think I want to do. I started going to Heritage in fifth grade and everybody at this church has played a role in my faith and in my life. And I just want to say thank you so much to all of you from children's ministry in fourth grade to youth ministry, sixth grade through 12th grade, and now being able to be an intern. 
My entire life has revolved around this church, and now it's my turn to give back and go out into the world and use everything I've learned to pursue God and to share what He's done in, in my life. One thing that has stood out to me this summer is being put into those conversations or environments of pouring into people and showing them what God has taught me to help them become better Christians like so many people have done for me and putting me into those leadership positions that point me in the direction where God's leading me. Thanks, church family. Thank you, 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 church family. Church family, thank you for everything. I'm gonna miss you. Yeah, you guys come on up, come on up. This is your interns this summer. You can keep clapping, thank you. Come on up, guys. You know, uh, we, we don't always get it right, and we are not perfect people. But as, even as a father, I love being part of a church family that loves young people, that invests in young people, that gives young people a chance to follow God's calling in their life, um, to get an opportunity to serve on a weekly basis. And then something like this, what these guys have done this summer, and for, for Caleb and Peyton this whole past year, I, I love, thank you, church family, for being that kind of church. Um, guys, thank you so much for your commitment this summer and for the year. Uh, Why did you stand way down there this time? Peyton, we're going to miss you like crazy. A lot of these guys that are going back to college, they're going to Central Florida. Thankfully, we get to see them from time to time. Um, but Peyton is going on Thursday to, up to Liberty, so please be praying for her. Yeah. <laughs> Taking a friend with you. Um, be praying for Peyton. She has been a huge part of, of our team over the last handful of years. I love getting to watch her grow up and and uh, God having his hand on her life and leading worship, so we're excited. Caleb is still, still here with us. One day he'll be a grown-up, and we'll quit calling him intern. But um, I just wanted to read something to you guys quickly. We've got a gift to you, and uh, Hux is going to pass those out for you. And, and I just want to read to you from Paul at the end of his letter to his good friends, the Thessalonians. He said this, he said to them, as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. And I told you in the first service, Paul said the same thing to his friends in Galatians. He knew that ministry was hard. He knew that ministry would be opportunity to, to grow weary. He knew that ministry would be opportunity to sometimes get beat up. But he says, do not give up in doing the right thing. And as you guys are chasing God's will in your life, our prayer for you is that you would not give up, that you would not grow weary but you would chase him and do the right thing. And then he finishes with them. He says, now, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. When we do struggle, when we do have those difficult times, we turn to him. He is the Lord of peace, and we will find our peace in him if we seek after him. So we thank you guys. We love you all. We are excited for, for your future. And uh, I'm going to give Hux a chance to say something. told you guys the first service, extremely proud of you. I also told y'all that it's been extremely quiet, which has been really refreshing. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Many of you know the chaos, the noise. Sometimes it's even in your own household. 
Uh, when you have kids, sometimes you escape and you're like, oh, but then you remember how grateful you are for your kids. And man, I tried to look at each and every one of you as my own kid. Um, and we love each and every one of you dearly. Uh, so many of you have made impacts even in the life of my own girls uh, that I'm extremely grateful for. Uh, but the impact that you've even made, even in some students, some kids that are here this morning, they'll never forget for years to come. Um, because it's a relationship which makes them stick um, in the life of the church. Uh, I'm a living testimony to that because it's a relationship which makes people stick um, because of the relationship that I had with two former youth pastors in my life. Um, so I just want to encourage you, continue to follow God's um, call on your life. Uh, know God's will for your life is found in his word. Um, so continue to keep that close. Um, but I'm going to pray for you guys, and we hope that you enjoy. There's like uh, maybe some more cash, maybe gift card in that envelope. Some of you are like, man, I get another envelope. Maybe it's empty. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> the Disney tickets are still at the front lobby if you want one. But anyway, I'm going to pray and we just want to say we're extremely proud of you once again. So let me pray. God, what a joy it was this past summer to see each and every one of them grow in you. God, it was even more a joy for me to see them make your word a priority. God, before they even did any ministry, um, God, it was a joy to see them sit at your feet and realize that's the most important seat. God, I pray as they continue to take their next steps and God, whatever you have for their life, uh, God, whether it's in ministry or the workplace, uh, God, I pray you to continue to make that clear to them, understanding we know uh, that your word is a lamp into our feet, a light into our path, and God, I pray they continue to stay close to your word. God, I pray as they even maybe further their education, some of them are going uh, back to college, or God, going to college, God, I just pray um, that you would bring clarity in their life through classes of, God, what you are leading them to do. God, I pray you'd open up doors uh, for them to serve in churches, or maybe that's even coming back here. Um, God, we thank you again for uh, the work that they've done in the life of your church. God, we love you. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The last thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last thing I'll say before you guys are dismissed and get lunch today is we're excited to announce that some of these will be leaving back to college or, or whatnot, but there's two that we're not able to get rid of still. Caleb's going to continue to intern this coming year, so we're still not able to get rid of them yet. And then we're excited to welcome Landon with us this coming year to serve uh, with the children and student ministry. So... Good stuff. Thank you, church, for believing in each and every one of them for giving to make it possible uh, for us to uh, build generations to come. Uh, so we love you. We hope that you have an incredible Sunday, and we will see you next week.